0: Well, hey, I'm Connor. And I'm Daniel. And, I'm... and we're Friends Stream Sports. We are. Here we are. Coming to we... you all the way from Seattle.
1: <laughs> Seattle and Orlando. We are friends who get to stream some sports, uh, get to chat some sports. Usually, uh, it's myself and Rutledge. We're playing video games. Now you get to see my beautiful face. Rutledge is not here tonight. Filling in, we've got Daniel coming all the way from Seattle. Uh, Daniel, we're friends in the true in the true spirit of the show. We're friends. And we're going to talk some sports. So uh, share just a little bit. When did we meet?
0: Oh man, um, we met. I would say had to be at least what seven or eight years old, probably. Probably on a driving range somewhere in Orlando.
1: You and I go back. You, I have known you for more. We have known each other for more than two thirds of our life. <laughs> uh, but really, really excited to have Daniel on tonight. Uh, just a quick intro into what Daniel does. Daniel, uh, and he's got a YouTube channel and posts a lot of great content. Daniel works on the other side of the camera for so many great pictures you see of Russell Wilson uh, with, his, with his team and things like that. So Dan, you can see Daniel, or you won't see Daniel, but you'll see Daniel's work week in, week out on Sundays in the NFL. And he's got a really interesting, some really interesting stories, uh, not just working with Russell Wilson, some time with Sunday Night Football, some time uh, during his uh, time at NBC covering the Olympics in Brazil. And he's a yes. former college athlete, so uh, a real triple threat. So Daniel, thanks so much for being on tonight.
0: Of course, of course. I've, uh, I've been slacking the last, I think, couple of weeks. You guys switch your days to Tuesday. So i missed the last couple of shows. So I'm glad I could come in for this one.
1: Oh, absolutely. And as always, we're live on Twitch. So as we're chatting, if you want to chime in, we'd love to have you. And after this, we're going to be posting this this on our YouTube channels. We're going to be posting this on Facebook. We're going to be posting this on podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're really excited for tonight. So, um, Daniel, let's let's jump into this because I'd love to hear your story. Being in, you've been involved probably with more sports than I have throughout my life, so this year being That's such debatable. a weird year with all the COVID stuff, right? Uh, not going to jump into too many things on that, but want to hear your opinion. I think there's a great conversation to be had within sports of should championship teams in this COVID era have an asterisk by their championship?
0: Man. That's, um, it's so funny you bring that up because that's something I was thinking about this weekend, watching the Masters. Um, if you guys don't know, I'm a huge golf fan as well as football fan. Um, and it was, um, you know, the tradition unlike any other and the year of unlike any other. And so uh, I was thinking about it a lot because if you saw the leaderboard, you saw like kind of a lot of the younger guys who were maybe their first or second time at the Masters and in some regards, like it to me it maybe it was a little bit easier because the pressure uh you know on a Sunday at the Masters where there wasn't, you know, guys literally waiting to hit um because Tiger was teeing off and the roars or Tiger was putting, like you're just none of that really was in place. So you can kind of just go out and be free. But then on the flip side too, I think about the NBA and you know, you have the Lakers who win a veteran team. So, you know, they benefit from it as well, but there's zero travel this year in the, in the NBA, you guys were holding it down there in Orlando in the bubble um, for a while. And then, but on the flip side too, that means they were away from the families, you know, for three months or however long it was. And so that makes it hard and, and different than it's been like any other year as well. So I don't know. It's hard. I don't want to go on the record and say there's an asterisk, but it definitely will, we'll go back and look, you know, at this year and like, there's definitely going to be a, I don't know if it's an asterisk, but definitely a note um, for 2020.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think you bring up a lot of great points there, right. Uh, you know, in golf, there's, there was no tiger roar at the masters this past week, but if you think about all of the different travel pieces that have to go in into playing around of golf right you have your routine think about all the routines and golfers are people of routine and I know we're going to be talking more about the mental side of sports here throughout our conversation you know you get all that thrown out of whack right you might have one person who is a friend of yours who got exposed to the virus and then all of a sudden your next week and a half is thrown into chaos so you know there's some interesting things there you know living in Orlando I, I joked around as I live, do live right behind Walt Disney World as I was,
0: as you I was live past, right, you live right by the bubble.
1: I do live, I'm very close to the bubble. In fact, some of our friends, when we were probably more concerned just with our per- personal preferences with the MLS bubble, we said we would love to have been that soccer mom on the sidelines during MLS bubble games to hand out Gatorades and yell at the refs on behalf of the players and things like that. But uh, you know, it's, it's just very interesting, right? You've got you've got the mental element of being away from your family for so long. So in the NBA way, the older players, you know, LeBron James has a family and, and two kids, right? That are, you know, mm-hmm. neither of us have kids, but when we have kids that are high school age, that'll be a great time to see them. Yeah. Uh, and, and to get to that, I think, is really impactful. And then on the other hand, you've got the young folks that you know, it's kind of like an AAU tournament. They're probably watching Twitch. They, if Friend Stream Sports was going during the NBA bubble, we might have had some NBA players watching us.
0: Who knew? Yeah, you could, you might have. <laughs> um, so uh, I
1: think that in terms of, and would love to maybe hear your thoughts. And I know you touch on the individual sport and we touched on the bubble, but sports kind of like baseball in the NFL. Uh, but broadly speaking, I think that this year, There absolutely is going to be an asterisk next to the champions, but that is not a bad thing. In fact, I think that it is going to highlight the challenges that you had to overcome and the adversity that you had to overcome.
0: I agree. That's a, that's a good point. Um, Because I think like we were saying this, I think this whole year will have an asterisk regardless of sports or not. I think just in life, it'll be a year, you know, no one will ever, ever forget for, you know, a very long time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, just kind of the, I would say probably after the Super Bowl, like the temperature of like what that looks like.
1: For sure. For sure. So comment, touch on a little bit, cause you've been involved uh, with, with this non-bubbled team sports. How, how have you seen that maybe change, uh, you know, this year in, in so many ways, but in just in terms of, little routines and things like that, that, you know, players don't have access to anymore this season as opposed to previous seasons.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so for those of you that don't know, um, I'm out of Seattle. I um, work for Russell Wilson's production company. I'm the chief creative officer for it. And so with with that job comes the privilege of getting to shoot NFL games. I've um, photographed Um, NFL games for the last couple years and now have transitioned into shooting video with a new NFL LCC program and so last year was the first year that I was allowed to shoot video or um, privileged to shoot video on the sidelines and um, had kind of had to start a new routine from shooting photos from a couple years ago and then now this year it's a you know even for me I'm not a player but it's been a completely new routine as I'm only allowed to shoot from the stands, and you know for the most part last couple of seasons I could kind of go wherever I wanted to on the sidelines and so I'm not 100% sure like from the player standpoint what the routine change is like I definitely know it seems like there's a little less guys coming out super early pregame. game I think whether that's to you know say what's up to one of their friends on the other team because they're trying to limit the contact or um, guys are just you know wanting to be more focused and, and dialed in on what they're doing but um, I know for me, at least on the routine side, it's, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit.
1: Interesting. Well, it'll be fun to see how this all shakes out for sure uh, in big time ways. So we do have a few viewers. Thanks so much for tuning in and, and watching us. The question we're discussing right now is, will this 2020 sort of sports COVID year, will the champions have an asterisk? by their championship and, and kind of the secondary question is, is that an okay thing is that a good asterisk or is it a bad asterisk so uh lots of lots of interesting conversations there but daniel uh my apologies for not introducing you properly as the chief creative officer
0: for the Russell <laughs> wilson
1: production company you, you, you big it's shot all good <laughs> uh,
0: it's all good it's just but uh
1: so So with that, you know, you've you've had a lot of really fun experiences and things like that. So uh, share just a little bit, if you don't mind, for our live viewers, as well as for our podcast and YouTube watchers here later. uh, Just kind of how you got your start in the NFL and how you got your start in into what led you to where you're at right now with uh, Russell's company.
0: For sure. I can give you guys the the quick version here. So as you said, was a college athlete down in Tampa, Florida. Went to school at University of Tampa. Um, came up to visit quite, a, to visit you quite a bit at Wheaton College uh, a few times during our college days. But um, when I was done playing and after school, uh, I got a job with Tony Dungy's nonprofit All Pro Dad. Um, that was really my first job out of school and actually uh, I was part of like the team that helped coach dungie like create his Facebook page and create his Twitter page <laughs> like it's crazy to think that there was a time when those things were just starting um, and from there I was able to really kind of just build a relationship with him as I was um, kind of helping him launch those pages that was like right when really content was becoming king in the social media space and developed a relationship with him and got to a point where, you know, was like, Hey, you know, I love the organization. I love you. I love what it stands for, but I was probably 23 at the time. Um, I was just asking him to, you know, I was just looking for something a little more, a little more challenging. I was young, um, wanted to travel. And so he kind of helped me make some introductions at NBC and this, like for me at the time of my life, like the perfect job came along, which was, um, I think it was like 21 weeks traveling on the Sunday night football bus to every single game. So for the, all of the 2014, 2015 season, I, I traveled to every single Sunday night football game via bus. So that was kind of like my, I guess, big break as you want to, as they call it and show business. So, so
1: before, before you keep going real quick, I actually had a conversation with another friend of mine, so much okay. friends and so much sports, uh, Tony Dungy, because he has, uh, forgive me for the pun, because he has that quiet strength, right? Uh, Yes. Which is the title of one of his books. Tony Dungy, if you want to sponsor this show, we would love for you to do that. Uh, (laughs) But uh, because, you know, he's not the first person that you think of when you think of highly, highly, I mean, literally the first African-American to win a Super Bowl, which Mm -hmm. if you're anybody to win a Super Bowl that's amazing so right. um uh, so in your opinion what what was Tony Dungy's secret sauce if you will and what is sort of Tony's secret sauce to uh just continue to be so revered within NFL circles
0: well I think like you think you just you pinpointed it out already I thought the title of his book Quiet Strength like just summarizes up like who he is and and two words. Uh, one of my favorite parts about Coach dungie is, you know, what you see on TV, what you saw him with, like, as a coach in the media is exactly who he is. I don't think, you know, it's, you know, you've had some, you've had some pretty legendary coaches in your time playing, like, I think there's a certain stigma around being a, a football coach, and, you know, he just, he did it his own way. I don't think I ever heard him raise his voice um, in our time working together. I don't think I know, you know, he treats everyone amazing. And so, you know, I think that's his secret sauce is he's just himself.
1: There's some, there's some real wisdom in that, whether or not you're a football coach uh, in, in sales or on the other side of the camera on Sunday afternoons, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't trying to be maybe who, who like everyone told him he should be. He just was himself. He had his core values, his core principles and and stuck to them.
1: Cool. Cool. So, so you're working with Sunday Night Football. Thanks for sharing, by the way. So you're working at Sunday Night Football 21 weeks a year. Uh, So what, what, how'd you get that next jump to uh, just working with Russ up in the Pacific Northwest?
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll back up a little bit. And as you know, my parents are from out here in Seattle. So um Seattle sports minus the magic was like who I grew up cheering for um you know it was like that weird kid in Florida that cheered for the Seahawks um and so that's like always been something that I've been a huge fan of and you know when Russ came on the scene was a huge fan of him just one how he played but then just how he carried himself his story um and I'll never forget like after they won the Super Bowl for whatever reason I was like hey I'm going to be friends with that guy someday. I don't know how, but, uh, we're going to make it happen. And then, um, when we just, that was like, right. When the Seahawks were were rolling and, and on Sunday night football, like quite a bit. So like we would just kind of run into each other here and there. And, um, I think he just kind of started to get familiar with me, recognize me. And, um, one day, like, uh, super random I got a call from Russ asking me if I, if I wanted to come work with him I had seen him um on the Carrie Underwood uh, open shoot that we had done I had kind of I had gone to his celebrity golf tournament my dad did a and did a clinic there um and then fast forward after Super Bowl season or at, not after Super Bowl season after playoffs um he, he gave me a call and offered me a job
1: wow and the rest is history yeah the rest is history. That that's super cool. Um, so one of the things that we kind of skipped over, but I, I I don't know why. I think it's super interesting. I've always wanted to visit this country, uh, especially around sports. There was the summer that you spent in Brazil. Uh, so yes. So share share a little bit about that. Any any fun stories? Um, you know some of the experiences you got there.
0: Man, so I was in Brazil a long time. <laughs> So the Olympics is already like long in itself, right? And so um, so you're already planning to be down there for a while, but I think I went, I had gone two, maybe even three weeks before the Olympics started. So when it was all said and done, uh, I was down in Rio uh, for the 2016 Olympics for, for about a month. So I definitely got some, some good time there. Um, I had mostly, I had been covering... Um, the Stanley Cup that summer and then before that football so all of these new sports really that were Olympic sports I, it was really my first introduction to them um, the way I got reps and kind of got practice covering them was um, I'd gone to the U.S. wrestling trials which uh, you know the closest thing I'd ever been to wrestling was it was our, uh, our Canna Cuck, uh, wrestling match <laughs> every summer And so that was just like a whole, a whole new world for me. I know you wrestled a little bit in high school. And then um, the other was the, the gymnastics trials, which was, you know, obviously the women's gymnastics teams for years in the U S have been, you know, kind of the stars of the Olympics. So that was like a really cool introduction into the Olympics. And then um, getting down there was, was pretty crazy. Honestly, I know when Brazil was like awarded the Olympics um, it was like a very strong time in the economy, but when the the time between when a country's awarded when the games actually are um, you know things can change and so uh, it was a little bit interesting some of the venues were literally like being built like right up to the time of the of the game starting so that was like an interesting thing to navigate but it really is I mean the best way I can describe it is they they put like uh, it's not Disney World but you know, Disney World or, like, the bubble, how they had it, and, then like, it's in this one section of the country um, for months, and they conduct the Olympic Games.
1: You know, I, I always felt like, and, and I'm sure it was so, so much fun to be in Brazil. You mentioned the infrastructure piece and all that build-out that has to be done. I'm mm-hmm. convinced that the United States should host uh, the Olympics and the World Cup really every time because we have the infrastructure. Yeah. Um, did you States. ever did, one of the really cool things that i saw uh actually was in brazil at the olympics some of the bridges they had kind of built out to where afterwards it was like animal crossings so mm-hmm. uh, they would plant grass and stuff like that i mean w- was that kind of ever pointed out or are you just like oh there's a bridge"? I
0: never there. saw that i will say though like the traffic was like terrible <laughs> i spent honestly like a lot of my time Because so you have like the main Olympic village and then there's Mm. different um, sections beyond or different, I guess, areas um, throughout the country um, that were different venues are happening. So like the track was in one place, um, soccer, football was in another. And then my kind of main location was I was down by the beach, which isn't the worst place to be. Yeah, You were doing the uh, late night with Ryan Seacrest and then um, beach volleyball.
1: Man, tough life. Tough yeah. Life for a young 20, 20, something in Brazil covering beach yeah. volleyball.
0: at I know the hard part was I had, like, I was working the late night shift. So I was, I was doing like a, I was doing, I think, almost like a 12 to 12 shift or like two to two. So oh,
1: man.
0: Uh, it was quite the, quite the long month. I will say though, probably one of my favorite memories was um, was when Neymar hit, I believe it was a PK to win, to win the gold medal um i mean the streets the fireworks like all the stuff you see in movies was totally real it was like it was pretty amazing
1: brazilians love their soccer that's for sure yeah that's for sure so um this is friend stream sports i know we've talked about a lot of stops along your way Uh, who's been a really cool friend that you've made in in all your
0: different stops uh along the way oh man um that's a good question. I will say like, um, I don't know that I've necessarily become friends with a lot of people. I've definitely met some really cool people. I would say one of the coolest people that I've met though is, um, is Christian McCaffrey. We, um, he and Russ were the, um, teammates at Double Dare at the Super Bowl, Um, and he, uh, we just got paired together. His family was there. It was funny, actually, one of my coworkers, um, he was a he was a wide receiver in high school and like Ed McCaffrey was this guy. And he honestly was like nervous about meeting Ed McCaffrey. It was like, it was pretty awesome. Um, but Christian's really cool, Stanford grad and um, me kind of being, you know, a young filmmaker, Christian actually has a very like strong interest in film. We were talking about all these different movies, True Detective whole bunch of different things and he like was very up on his film theory um and just movies in general so that was like a really refreshing and cool conversation to have with an athlete or typically I might have it with um you know a a film nerd
1: well you bring up a great thing and I think it's going to be a great segue into our halftime hot takes uh I I need your take on true detective I have my take that I can't wait to share but I need your take on that on that show
0: okay I mean right now? Are we doing are we halftime hot taking right now? Well
1: well hold on, hold hold on. There you go. Okay. Uh,
0: okay. So so talk
1: to me. So True Detective, is it is it all great? Is part of it great? Or is it all hot garbage?
0: I will say I will say season one is absolutely incredible season two with Vince Vaughn and I think it was called. I could barely make it through like one episode um it just like it wasn't the same for me uh McConaughey and Woody Harrelson in season one are just off the charts and then season three with Marshala Ali was better I didn't finish it not because I didn't like it I just it's like a very heavy show and you gotta like you gotta be into it and like no distractions. so I never finished it so I would say season one is a must watch season two you could probably skip and then season three i guess for me the the jury's still out
1: interesting yeah one of uh that is one of the interesting things about the show is it's not necessarily connected but true uh yeah yeah, season one really good season two hot garbage i I don't even the only reason i know about season one is we had some buddies that we went on a trip with and spent all weekend watching true detective or most of the weekend Uh, season one when it was too dark outside season one yes
0: okay what did you
1: think oh season one incredible McConaughey it's always tough I know that McConaughey has really fully transitioned away from being that rom-com actor Mm -hmm. but you know you start first impressions are such a thing right and I think when I watched it I was still very okay McConaughey is is Rom, this is good, but I couldn't help but think, okay, Kate Hudson's going to pop out at some point and, you know, Matthew McConaughey's going to give the big love speech. Um, But uh, I I, I got past that Uh, and I liked Woody Harrelson better than McConaughey in that. I just, um, probably because Woody Harrelson's had more practice kind of being a gritty dude or had (laughs) more practice at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but that's a pretty warm take. And uh, before we jump into halftime hot takes, thank you so much for everyone who's been watching us. Uh, and yet again, we're live on Twitch. We got YouTube podcasts. Go check out Daniel's content at Daniel Mog on YouTube and everything else. Uh, so, Daniel, how cold is it right now in Seattle?
0: Um, so today actually was not that cold. I put I'm I'm in downtown. I put a jacket on and I like walked up the hill and i was sweating really bad <laughs> so it's uh it's a little bit uh little bit uh warmer here today but i would say probably the past week though has been um, it's been pretty cold and it's been gray and raining so i could definitely use some halftime hot takes to to warm me up here
1: oh yeah so you knew the world knew that you were going to be giving some halftime hot takes and seattle got warmer because of it Maybe, so, maybe. So we're 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 gonna do some. You know, we're gonna kind of go. We got a couple questions here, and uh, okay. and we're gonna chat, and you're gonna share with all of your infinite, seemingly infinite NFL city and stadium wisdom, and, and oh, I'm man. gonna chime in because I've been to like three NFL stadiums, and, and we're just gonna roll. That's a shame.
0: We gotta we gotta and, up that number.
1: That is very true. That is very true. But uh, so welcome. To halftime, hot takes. Here we go. So, Daniel, what is the most underrated NFL city that you've
0: been to? Underrated. Okay. Hear me out. You're, you you spent some time in the Midwest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you're an NFL fan, if you're a football fan, you got to go do the Lambeau experience at some point in your life. No matter if you're a Packer fan, it's just – it's crazy. I, there's there's nothing else in the NFL like it. Now, there's definitely other bigger, sexier cities, fun things to do. Um, but Lambo, just Green Bay, it's, you know, it's not a travel destination. Let's just say that.
1: A lot of bars, a lot of beer, but around Lambeau. Uh, cheese curds. That is
0: a lot of cheese curds.
1: A lot, ooh, the squeakier, the better. That's for sure. I'd yes. say the most uh, underrated NFL stadium that i had been to was washington uh, i have been to fedex field about a decade ago and yep. you know it just it, it didn't feel special right i i had seen joe gibbs i played offensive line i was very familiar with the hogs you know it just it, it just i don't know it didn't really hit me probably the right way in the way that it should have um so that was that was most uh but I, I kind of shared the most overrated NFL stadium. My bad, I misread the notes trying to do too much here. I would say <laughs> I would say that the most underrated NFL stadium uh, that I've ever been to was, I think that there is something ever so magical, and this is going to be kind of right along the line with Lambeau, something ever so magical. When the Bears are good, and soldier field is going it can be yeah. three degrees outside and that place is going nuts and yeah. um you know there, there's and you know there's no turf you know it's gonna be a lot of defense i mean december 32 and a half degree like soldier field is one of those places that could take the worst weather game and make it fantastic
0: yeah no i agree we did um I did my first game there, Monday night game. Seahawks got rocked pretty good, and that place was just so lit. And I could not believe, as you said, the, tur- the ground was very hard. I would not have, want to have, would not have wanted to get tackled. Oh, no. There we go. Oh, there we, we got go. back. All right,
1: so that's most underrated NFL stadium. Let's talk about the most overrated NFL city that you've ever been in.
0: Overrated NFL city, man. It's a little tough. It's a little tough for me because I'm I'm still a little salty about the Super Bowl. But I gotta go with just that the the Patriots boss that whole just kind of area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do love Boston. I think it's a great town. But, but Foxborough. But Foxborough itself, I mean. The hike, the hike down there is rough and the parking lot out of there, forget it. Like because if you if you're in a if you're in a weight team and you go watch your team and then you lose and you have to sit in the parking lot for like a solid two hours after the game and you're probably wet and cold as we saw this past weekend, it's not fun.
1: There you go. most overrated NFL city Oxboro. I'm going to say the most overrated NFL city is whatever city that big monstrosity uh, in Dallas, Texas, the Dallas Metroplex area is in. Same idea. There's, you know, there's not much out there outside of Jerry world when I, you know, I think one of the uh, obviously there's tailgating and things like that with NFL. I, you know, from, from being a little more of a sophisticated soccer fan, Mm -hmm. Uh, No, I I really like the idea of, you know, being right smack dab in the middle of so much within the city. So yeah, uh, Yeah. really any place where the stadium just kind of far out there in the middle of nowhere feeling as opposed to really close into the city where you can feel the energy of that big city. uh, I'm not a big fan of you're good. So. um, So next up, most underrated fan base.
0: Underrated fan base. Okay. Um, the, uh, sorry, I'm getting a phone call here. Um, so I would say that, and hear me out on this. This is just in my experience. I'm not saying this. Um, this is just my opinion. And so Oakland Raider fans have been nothing but amazing to me. So I'm sure there's a lot of like polls, whatnot out there that says they're overrated, but uh they have been just fantastic.
1: Raider fans. Oakland or Las but Vegas. You're a Raider fans. fan, aren't you? You know, if if I were to be uh, unbiased in my perspective, I, I do poll for the Raiders. So and I feel like I've been pretty good to you. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I guess maybe because like they know if when the times I've worked with them, I'm putting them on TV. So they're nice to me, but I would go back to the cities. They would remember me. Um, they, they were, they were great.
1: There you go. There you go. Uh, you know, I would say that the most underrated fan base, and I think, and I'm going to stay in the AFC West. And okay. I think, I think that it's because they get overshadowed by a lot of other fan bases. And I'm going to specify here the San Diego contingent of those charger fans have been uh were so stinking loyal and yep. their team got uprooted and they didn't follow. No. Uh so you gotta give loyalty an absolute A plus in terms yep. of in, in terms of that. And you know, if they would have if they would have worked the stadium deal out, you know, uh the Chargers the Chargers wouldn't be the what the well, however many professional teams plus us usc is in la right the chargers are probably the lowest on that totem pole list so yeah um, yep. i'm gonna go with the san diego contingent of chargers fans being the most underrated fan base in the nfl uh they will be they, they will be the seattle C, uh, supersonics fans of the nfl
0: that's tough that's the sort of subject around here <laughs>
1: yeah. so finally last question most underrated NFL city with a great steakhouse
0: well this one's a little bit of a softball for me as uh, I'll be returning back to Tampa this weekend um, with one of the um, most famous steakhouse Burns steakhouse which I know is someplace you enjoy so I would say Tampa
1: Burns you never think about it and when I send people to Burns I say it's the most nondescript white building you ever been to
0: very unassuming.
1: Um, uh, very, un- I'm sure, but I'm sure Tom Brady already knows the wait staff there by name. That's got to be where he goes after all his games, uh, all his home games. And yeah, Burns uh, is great. Burns, if you want to sponsor this show yet again, we are we're looking for sponsors. Yeah. We're open and
0: available. We can we can drink Burns wine and talk sports. That sounds pretty friendly.
1: Wine and sports. <laughs> yes, uh, great. So. Thank you so much, Daniel, for for, our, for your halftime hot takes uh, brought to you by Connor and Daniel here at Friendstream Sports. So, brought to you
0: by Burns Steakhouse.
1: <laughs> hopefully one day it will be brought to us by Burns Steakhouse. So uh, as we transition here into this second half and, and some topics and things like that, um, you know, you've been around some pretty big time quarterbacks, uh, not just Russell, Uh, But you've got some pretty up-close and personal uh, exposure and experience to some big-time college quarterbacks recently. And um, and, and I'll let you kind of fill in some of those gaps. But uh, so share a little bit first of how you you got some exposure to to a draft class of quarterbacks a couple years ago. And then share what that taught you about things that you kind of look for in an NFL quarterback.
0: For sure. So a couple of years ago, um, I met kind of a friend slash mentor of mine, Jay Rothman, who was the lead producer at Monday Night Football. Um, and this was actually when Coach Gruden got hired to coach the Raiders. And he had been producing the, um, I don't remember the exact title, but just that, that Gruden QB show with, with guys coming Why coming banana? the show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so he was looking to kind of like either replicate it or do his own, you know, a new version of that show. And so we were sitting at Grand Cypress in Orlando, uh, the hotel there for the Pro Bowl, just kind of, you know, just coming up with ideas. And he was like, hey, like, what if Russ is the host and we could get some top level quarterbacks do the show called QB to QB? Um, And we ended up doing that and had one show QB to RB. And so it was really cool at the time, like we knew so to go or I guess to backtrack, the guests we had in the show were Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, Mason Rudolph, and JT Barrett. And so, like, we knew Saquon would go high. We weren't really sure about um, Baker or Mason, and obviously unsure with JT too. Um, so, you know, to have Baker go number one after coming on the show was really cool, and to have Saquon come on as number two was just amazing. And so um, it's just, it's just really, to me – there's really no other position like it. in the And like basically the whole world that I can think of, of where like you come out of school and you're like expected to lead the organization or lead the franchise. Like that's a lot of pressure. And I honestly like thinking about it, I can't imagine like me coming out of college and then going in and being the guy. Like there's nowhere else in really the work in the workforce that that happens, right?
1: You got to you got to be uh, to to quote a mentor of this show, whether he knows it or not, Colin Cowherd. Uh, you yes. got to be hat on, baseball hat on forward guy at age twenty two, which is not yeah. a typical thing.
0: Yeah, and so I mean, really, I think to what I would say, looking for in quarterbacks. Now, I will say this: I never played football, um, so I really I don't think my opinion carries that much weight. But I have spent you know time around people at at a high level, and just think these are just things that I would have have observed and so the biggest thing for me would be like what's between the ears right because when you're coming out at that level a lot of the guys are physically I would think pretty similar right like there's obviously going to be guys who might have more arm strength might be quicker might be faster whatever but to have that that mentality um, coming fresh out of school to be the leader to be the guy and be okay with it and want to lead i think is really kind of a the separator
1: got it got it so just kind of those general leadership traits are are really important to you when you're kind of hearing stuff about quarterbacks
0: i would say i mean that i mean that 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 could be like a whole that could be a whole uh burn steakhouse dinner conversation if we want to go really deep on uh on quarterbacks but to, to say you know to quote what you said i would say the way Colin Calvert kind of approaches his, his quarterbacks. If you watch his show, I would say I'm very much uh, in line with that.
1: Got it. Got it. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, a a couple things that come to my mind when I'm, when I'm thinking about quarterbacks, I think number one, from that athletic standpoint, you know, we're we're, we're very much into Lamar Jackson. We're very much into Kyler, very much into Russ and, and, and his athleticism and things like that. And that is fantastic, right? And, and there's, you know, there there are there challenges that come with that, right? The uh, Lamar Jackson piece of, okay, does he has he relied too much on the run and not developed his arm over time? Uh, you know, I, I think number one, especially in the NFL, is that you have to be able to uh, be athletic enough to be able to consistently change launch points uh, throughout, yeah. throughout the game. So, Think about what you know, LA Rams do with Jared Goff, right? Everything's based off a of play action. That doesn't mean Jared Goff's not going to drop back some, right? They're not really doing seven and nine step drops anymore, but, um, you know, Jared Goff's got to be comfortable in the play action. He's got to be comfortable with some rolls and some half rolls, and he's got to be comfortable just just dropping back and trying to throw some dimes. Uh, so uh, statues are out. You could have a howitzer, howitzer on your shoulder, but, you know, really, you know, in my humble opinion, if I'm a GM looking at a quarterback, if you know, if, if I see an A-plus arm or an A-arm and a B-plus arm, but that A-arm has C-athleticism and that B-plus arm has B-athleticism, right? I, I'm, taking, I'm taking the guy with a little bit more athletic things like that can extend plays uh, for sure. Um, you know, the other thing, kind of a fun story, you, you know, quarterbacks got to be football players. And that, that sounds counterintuitive, but hear me out. Uh, even in the NFL, where there's so many rules surrounding can't touch quarterback, can't do this, can't do that, um, quarterbacks got to show that toughness piece. And yeah. in fact, they almost have to do more of showing that toughness piece because of how much they are taken care of. Um, I remember when I played at Wheaton, I, I, I was a backup for everyone tuning in. All right. I'm not tooting my own horn. Uh, I got into a game once and our quarterback had this big old gash on his hand and, you know, bleeding. And he ended up before, I played center, right? So I was snapping the ball to the quarterback. He would wipe his hands on the back of my pants every play before the snap, just so, just so there, I wouldn't see, like no one would see the blood actually bleeding on his hand. Um, and it wasn't until after the game when I took, you know, I was changing and I was like, I don't think I bled. Uh, but it's things like that, that really helped me as a player gain respect for, for the guy I was playing with, right. The guy who was our quarterback. I think there has to be that element of toughness drew Brees on Sunday, right? You know, I know he, he drew Brees gained. If I was in that locker room, he would have gone up the, the respect scale. I know he's very high on that already for a lot of folks, but he would have yeah. gone up the respect scale tenfold for me. Uh, cause apparently, um, uh, you know, when he got his ribs punctured and, you know, lungs punctured and ribs broken, right. That was, that wasn't at the end of a drive and he finished that drive and he finished the half. So uh, I think, I think on the mental side, right. Just that toughness of being a football player might be 2020 with the rules going more towards offense, but there's definite value. Just, just being a tough guy and, and, and not, not, not backing down.
0: Well, I would say, you know, to go with that point, one guy that comes to mind just from this draft class, I feel like that is doing that is Joe Burrow. I mean, Mm -hmm. that guy, that guy's getting pounded. I'll admit, like, I wasn't really sure, you know, how he would pan out. He obviously was incredibly successful at LSU. I think there were some questions on, one, he was a little bit older, and two, the talent around him was incredible. But I would say, you know, these first, you know, eight nine weeks that we've been through through the season he's been super impressive to me both just from kind of the smarts the way he plays and then just that toughness that that he displays and like wanting to get that extra yard wanting wanting to go all out
1: yeah now now with that obviously you can't do you know you can't you can't go full david carr uh <laughs> yeah that 19 000 times uh in, in your career that will but, but there will be those hits during the games and during the seasons that will be very, very, uh, very, very, you know, critical to show your team, Hey, I, you know, I might be the one that's protected by the rules, but man, I'm no different from y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm tough, you know, let's go yeah. get them. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, so when we were chatting pre-show, you know, you mentioned this thought and um, talk, talk about how, Talk about a little bit more of that mental space that quarterbacks got to be in.
0: Yeah. So I, I, it's just like a theory I've come up with spending all over the time where like, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but to be quarterback, like you gotta be a little weird and maybe even a little crazy. I mean, it's, I would say probably one of the hardest positions in sports. So it's not for everyone. Not everyone could be a quarterback, but um, You know, you look at some of the big ones, look at Rogers, incredible player. He's like, he's a little quirky. He's got, you know, he's got his things. Uh, I do appreciate that. He is a star Wars nerd. I will give him that. Um, But, you know, you kind of look at just a lot of the guys, Cam Newton, you know, they beat, they beat to a little bit of a different drum. And, but I think that's like part of like what you have to have to, to give you that edge at quarterback. Like it's a, it's a hard line of like being one of the guys, but also knowing that like, you're just different.
1: Yeah, that's right. You got to balance. You, you're not, you're not, you know, uh, you're not cocky, but you're mm-hmm. confident. Right. And, and there are ways to, uh, to, to quote the great movie, the other guys, uh, you know, there are great ways to let the peacock fly. Uh, I don't know if you remember the other guys with Mark Wahlberg and Will Farrell, of course, but you gotta, you gotta let the peacock fly so that that could be cam right with, you know, his stuff, you know, Peyton Manning always seemed like a really interesting guy, right? He, he always seemed, he would always seem like a fun guy to be uh, when things are going well, Uh, he he would be a fun guy to be around when things aren't going well, obviously, you know you get you would get paid millions of dollars for your position but somehow peyton manning would know more about your position than you did Uh, (laughs) um but no that's i mean tom brady's
0: avocado ice cream
1: tom brady wears kale that's a a little
0: weird not everyone does that
1: eats avocado ice cream uh that avocado ice cream is going to melt down there on the bay though so uh, oh yeah if uh if if he wins the super bowl and uh, can ride off into the sunset with Gronk there on the bay he might he might just hijack a pirate ship and
0: do that <laughs> he'll definitely be leading the Gasparilla parade that's for sure
1: Tom no matter what happens I feel like Tom Brady's going to lead Gasparilla this year
0: that's very that could be very true <laughs>
1: but uh well I know we've mentioned and we've talked about young quarterbacks and things like that and uh previously you know Rutledge and I we've we've spent a little bit of time talking about uh, kind of the big three rookie quarterbacks, in, in our opinion, this, this NFL season. And that's you know, Tua um, with the Dolphins, Justin Herbert with the Chargers and Joe Burrow with the Bengals. Yeah. So um, we share, you share, you know, and
0: you and, rec- you graded them, right? Can you recap your grades real quick for me?
1: Uh, you know, here, here was the thing I, I put, I put Tua, and this was after his first game, I put Tua at a B-plus. Okay. Or, no, I put Tua at a B because, uh, you know, he didn't throw for a ton of yards and, right, his stats weren't great. But you put the right guy on that mix of that defense, right? And the Dolphins, even though last season they weren't great, they just had a lot of guys that played really hard. Um, It was – it was just like uh, you know, Back to the Future. You got to put the uranium in the flux capacitor. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, Tua was that little little spot of uranium that that could power the Mandalorian of the of the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> so um, you know, so I, I graded two, I graded Herbert as the best quarterback out of the three, but kind of right behind Justin Herbert, I put uh, Joe Burrow. Right. And both quarterbacks and even now, right. Both uh, the chargers and the Bengals, not really looking at playoffs this year. Uh, Justin Herbert uh, is seemingly winning the award for most likely to dominate a game and lose. Um, Also known as.
0: That's a good, that's a good superlative,
1: Yeah. Also known as snatching defeat from the jaws of victory itis. Uh, And uh, you know, but Joe, and I think, on the other hand, Joe Burroughs just had a lot of tough games, man. That AFC yeah. North
0: is uh, for grown men. That, that, yeah, I'll say that. You need your big boy pants for the AFC North. That's for sure.
1: But, uh, you know, kind of right now, you know, where where I would put them, um, you know, I, I would still – I'd have – I think they're all, you know, pretty solid. The early returns are pretty good. Uh, yeah. You know, not, not going to be anyone an F just yet. But I would, I would put – I would still put Herbert up – kind of number one so far in this this rookie main rookie class followed I agree. by Joe Burrow then Tua
0: I think I think that's I think that's super fair and I but and I think like the crazy part too is like the rankings in some way are flipped as far as like how good the team is they're on like Tua might not have played the best but he also is 3-0 because I think the Dolphins are pretty good
1: yep and they've got actually a pretty soft schedule coming up I mean they the Dolphins might be in a real position to win the AFC East this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady's wow. out and Jets are not very good. And so the AFC East is it's pretty open.
1: We can go down to Versailles and get a Cuban sandwich before we head over to Hard Rock.
0: Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me with a good time.
1: So, uh, uh, you know, Je- Justin Herbert might be a little bit overhyped because he was on hard knocks, right? And, and love me some hard knocks. Uh, but, you know, I think he, uh he he has that ability to uh, combine that accuracy with that athleticism, right he, he can put the ball in a lot of good spots. He does have better better weapons than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's got the worst weapons out of these three guys for sure. yep, uh, yep. Cincinnati needs a lot of help. And I hope they give it give it to Burrow because uh, he's played very admirably so far.
0: Agreed, agreed. And I think it is funny though kind of the back to our other conversation with Herbert is like, I would say on paper, maybe even in interviews, he doesn't strike me as that guy that has that big bravado, that big leadership. He's, you know, a little bit more quiet. Um, But man, like his, his play is speaking for itself, no doubt. And I think that's just another way, you know, to, like you said, win over the guys in the locker room.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Well, um, that is some great rookie quarterback takes as we picked who is going to the be the league is best. in good
0: hands. I feel I mean, it's exciting, right?
1: That is very exciting. And with that, we're going to transition to the final segment of our show, Daniel. Thank you so much for being on here today. Yet again, check out, of all, of Mog, uh, check out all of Daniel Mog's content on his YouTube channel at Daniel Mog, Insta at DJ Mog, uh, yep. Twitter's at DJ Mog. Uh, And, and, you know, he produces uh, the Danger Russ podcast and he's all over the place. He's a mogul.
0: So um, (laughs) I think more mobile than mogul,
1: more mobile than mogul. Well, that's a lot of millennials these days. Uh, So let's let's pick a couple games. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a game. Give me a sentence or two. And you were you know, it's kind of too early in the week for lines. So just kind of straight up. So we got Jets versus Chargers.
0: Okay, before I make my picks, I will say this is purely picks. I I don't really I'm not one to gamble or, or bet. So please don't take this as betting advice. This is just strictly strictly picks. What was the first one?
1: If you were hanging, if you were hanging out with some friends at Buffalo Wild Wings before the game, yeah, exactly. Who hey,
0: who you, exactly. Who do you think is going to win? Exactly. Who do you think is going to win? Yep. Mm-hmm. Jets Chargers. Yes. I mean. I can't pick, I can't, I can't pick the Jets. I'm sorry. I've seen the tape. It's, I mean, speaking of quarterbacks, I don't know what Sam Darnold's going to do. He Um, is
1: uh, he's in trouble. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go chargers.
1: There you go. Uh, I too, I'm going to pick chargers yet again. I think, I think chargers just have better personnel, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a thought that I have of, you know, at least at least the Jets have fifty three NFL players, um, but you know, but not all NFL players are the same. And yeah. uh, there are some guys that know that they're they're playing for their jobs, but there are some guys that are just kind of saying, "Hey, like, get me yeah. out of here." So yeah. picking the Chargers, better personnel, and I think that they're a more organized operation. So yeah. uh, both of us going Chargers. Next up. We got the Dallas Cowboys versus the Minnesota Vikings.
0: Man, it's funny, you know. Probably when that when that game was scheduled, that was like a a, a prime time, you know, slotted game. But I don't think the Cowboys or anyone really could have saw what would happen to them. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, and I've said this just because you know Seattle's had some bouts with with Minnesota the last couple of years. I think I think Minnesota, like the roster they have, is 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 pretty freaking good. And so I think it's, uh, it's at Minnesota.
1: I believe so. Yes.
0: Yeah. i like the Vikings at home coming off a big Monday night win. They looked pretty good last night. Um, Kirk cousins, you know, who you, you know, and I know as well, uh, I think, I think he's going to turn it around here.
1: Kirk finally got the monkey off of his back. He did.
0: He did. Uh, I'm happy for now
1: him. one in nine in primetime games. And I'm sure he asked many people if they liked that.
0: I, yeah, uh, I bet, and I bet the Vikings fans liked it. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna go Dallas Cowboys here. I think. Wow. Uh, you know, hey, let me think. Kirk's a great guy. Would love to have him on the show. Uh, but you know, he, he, he. I, I've referred to Kirk before as the best quarterback that I've never seen be the best quarterback. Uh, he puts up a lot of stats, sure. but, you know, and he he does he does a lot in games that you're not watching. I know he did. Uh, I know he did play great uh, in a big time Monday night game. But the Bears really aren't all that great, and I could sense a letdown. And Dallas is still not out of the division. So
0: yep, and think, coming off a bye, so yeah, good
1: pick. I think I think that you know Kirk might squeeze it a little too much, uh, maybe playing some quicksand, and uh, I'm going with the Cowboys there. Uh, and okay. But, and finally, uh, we've got Browns versus Eagles.
0: Browns versus Eagles. I could go, man, I could go either way. I mean, I think that was a big win for Cleveland last week against the Texans. Um, but I was listening to um, Doug Peterson today, and he was pretty hot. He was, he was pretty upset uh, at the way his team played. Um, so I could see them, see them bouncing back, but I think, like you said, I think the, the, the Browns personnel is just on paper. It's just better. So I think I'm going to go with the Browns.
1: Well, this is where we differ again, Daniel. If, I like start, it. I like,
0: a. I like, a. I like that.
1: Yeah. As you, as you probably know, Friend stream sports has stuck its first claim into being an anti Browns streaming podcast. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I I think to quote another great movie, The Replacements, uh, I think think Baker Mayfield is prone to play in quicksand. Uh, I think that no OBJ uh, and Baker trying to do too many things to be successful, I think is going to be their undoing. And I think the Eagles are getting more and more desperate uh, because they are, although they might not be the best team, they are still in a position to... uh, you know, make the playoffs in terms of being the division winner. The season is still not over yet for the Eagles. So picking the Eagles and that's our last pick of the night, man. Thanks. so much. All right. Well,
0: I think, uh, I think whoever has the, uh, the winning record, uh, the loser has to to buy beers. Next time we see each other. Beers, Mountain Dew,
1: pipe tobacco, Whatever,
0: whatever friendly things we do.
1: Bourbon, whatever. Bourbon. Yeah. But, uh, yes, we will keep this. We will keep all this. So uh, I know we've had a few, wa- a few folks follow us tonight on Zoom. Just want to say thank you so much uh, for watching us yet again. Uh, we're live here. Daniel is posting content. Uh, myself and Rutledge, we're posting content. Uh, follow Daniel Mog on Instagram at DJ Mog, on Twitter at DJ Mog. Um, and thanks so much for being here tonight. Uh, Daniel, any parting words,
0: Whew, man? Well, I hope, uh, I hope I didn't mess anything up. I hope, I hope I can come back on the French room sports podcast. Uh, it was an honor. I haven't played video games in a long time, so we might have to stick with the, the interview format, unless you're just really looking for some, uh, boost in confidence and, and want a big victory and, and some Madden.
1: Ugh, I need a victory in Madden. I am, I have not won in Madden, so I need a victory, but,
0: uh, so friend of the yeah, maybe show we could of play Kingdom NCAA Log. football you, you know, oh man like we used to back in the day in high school staying up till two in the morning dude
1: NC dubs don't tempt me <laughs> uh, uh well thank you so much uh and, and our as our and our typical sign off here I'm Connor
0: and I'm Daniel and we're Not friends. Rutledge.
1: stream sports hope you all have a great yeah. night
0: thanks for watching guys